The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Friday, April 8th, 2022. Today, I'm going to be talking about um, a study that suggests why women outnumber men in lupus. Also, mixed results for oral lupus drug in phase two. And we're going to be discussing medical errors may lead to a culture of silence. So, you know what I want you to do. That's right. All the way from the United States to Valencia and Canary Islands, Spain. Get ready to grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to my listeners, late at night. Now, you know I appreciate you. So go ahead, grab your favorite glass of wine, and get ready to join the conversation right here on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast. I thank you so much for joining me on this Friday, April the 8th, 2022 update update on my health it looks like i will be pursuing more aggressive forms of treatment um for what i'm going through the initial treatment did not um work out as well so i will be um doing chemotherapy and um, I'm having a problem with my red and white blood cells. Back in 2014, I had a bone marrow aspiration to see exactly what was going on with my red and white blood cells. The oncologist, well, my oncologist, 
um, who performed the bone marrow aspiration informed me that my blood cells are shaped odd and they are big. And um, at that point in time, they told me, he told me that um, we're going to keep an eye on you to see, to make sure that um, it is not causing any harm. But now it's a totally different story. Now, um, I have hemolytic anemia. And the type of hemolytic anemia I have um, is inherited an, um, hemolytic anemia. And for those of you who may not know what hemolytic anemia is, it is a disorder in which the red blood cells are destroyed faster than they can be made. The destruction of the red blood cells is called hemolysis. Now, red blood cells carry oxygen to all parts of the body. If you have lower than normal amount of red blood cells, you may have anemia. When you have anemia, your blood can't bring enough oxygen to your tissues and organs. Now, without enough oxygen, your body can't work as well as it should. There are two types of hemolytic anemia. There is inherited or acquired. Now, as I stated previous, inherited hemolytic anemia happens when parents pass the gene for the condition onto their children. Now, it skipped um, two of my brothers and two of my sisters, and it hit me. Now, when it comes to acquired hemolytic anemia, um, what this is, is not something that you, you are born with. You develop the condition. Now, we know that inherited hemolytic anemia, that gene is passed on from one parent or maybe both to the children. And as I stated previous, it skipped both of my brothers and two of my sisters, and it hit me. And with this um, inherited hemolytic anemia, um, it can um, cause sickle cell anemia from what research states. But with acquired hemolytic anemia, you are not born with this condition. Your body makes normal red blood cells, but they are later destroyed. 
And this may happen because of certain infections, medications such as penicillin, anti-malaria medicines, sulfur medicines, um, blood cancers, autoimmune uh, disorders such as lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, or ulcerative colitis. Certain tumors, an overreactive spleen, uh, mechanical heart valves that may damage red blood cells as they leave the heart, a severe reaction to a blood transfusion. Now, the symptoms of hemolytic anemia are abnormal paleness or lack of color of the skin. Now, with me, my upper torso is much darker than the lower half of my torso. The lower half of my torso is really pale. I mean, it is pale. There is a yellowish skin or yellowish color to the eyes and mouth. We all know that this is jaundice. Dark colored urine. You will have fevers. You will have weakness, dizziness, confusion, and you won't be able to handle physical activity. Your spleen or liver may be enlarged. You will experience tachycardia, which is increased heart rate. Or you may even have a heart murmur. Now, how is this diagnosed? Well, hemolytic anemia is diagnosed through a complete CBC, complete blood count, and other blood tests, urine tests, bone marrow, aspiration, or biopsy. And you may be wondering, how is it treated? Your age and overall health and medical history plays a part in the treatment and how sick you are, the cause of the disease, how well you handle certain medication, treatments, and therapies. If your condition is expected to get worse, um, it's all about your opinion or preference to the treatment for hemolytic um, anemia. Now, the treatment may include blood transfusions, corticosteroid medicines, treatments to strengthen your immune system using intravenous immune globulins, now, in more severe cases, the treatment is surgery to remove the spleen, medicines to reduce the strength 
of your immune system and immunosuppressive therapies. Now, living with this condition, hemolytic anemia, is like living, in my opinion, and in my case, let me say living with lupus. I stay away from anyone who is sick. I avoid large crowds. I'm constantly washing my hands. And as you all may know, um, and for those who don't know, and for those who are new to this podcast, I have not had any solid um, foods. Um, I am a vegan, but um, all of my meals must be blended up in a blender and I have to eat it soft and that's due to the gastroparesis. So avoiding undercooked foods is a must and you have to brush your teeth regularly because we know that the mouth is the biggest cohort of bacteria and germs. Um, The key points that I need to stress about hemolytic anemia is that it is a disorder in which the red blood cells are destroyed faster than they are made. Inherited hemolytic anemia means that parents pass the gene for the condition on to their children. In my case, it hit me like lupus skipped my brothers and my sisters and hit me. The symptoms uh, include weakness, paleness, jaundice, dark colored urine, fever, inability to do physical activity, and a heart murmur. Treatment includes blood transfusion, corticosteroids, and other medicines. Now, here are some tips for you guys to help you to get the most from your visit with your physician. Know the reason for your visit and what you want to happen. Before your visit, write down questions you want answered. Bring someone with you and see, I don't know if that's possible now because of COVID, but you have your cell phone. Get someone um, on the line and let them listen in and inform your um, physician, your provider that you have someone on the line to listen to what you are being told so that you won't forget anything. And um, the person who is listening may have questions that you may not 
have even thought of. At the visit, write down the name of your new diagnosis and any new medicines, treatments, or tests. Also write down any new instructions from your provider. Know why a new medicine or treatment is prescribed. Don't just take whatever they give you and say, okay, don't be scared to sit up there and say, okay, what is this medication for? What are the side effects? And is there another medication that you can place me on with less severe side effects? Okay, you got that? Um, and ask the provider questions on how it will help you, the treatment will help you. How long will it take before you start to feel better? Ask if your condition can be treated in other ways. Know why a test or procedure is recommended and what the results could mean. Know what to expect if you do not take the medicine or have the test or procedure. Now, if you have a follow-up appointment, write down the date and the time. Also, get that return appointment card. And so when you get home, you can place it on your calendar in your phone or on your calendar on your laptop or give it to your spouse or significant other so that they can um, place it in their phone or put it down um, so they will know and can remind you. And most of all, know how to contact your provider if you have any questions. We know that everyone um, is used to having a patient portal. That's where you can send the doctor a message and you can receive a message. You can receive your test results back. Um, you can print your test results off. So um, write everything down. Um, get that person um, on the line so they can listen to what the doctor is stating to you. And most of all, don't be scared to ask that physician questions. When we come back, we're going to talk about um, how a study suggests why women outnumber men in lupus. Stick right with me. And we're back. You know what? I want to tell you another um, incident that happened when I was at the pulmonologist. 
Um, I was in the exam room waiting for the pulmonologist to come in regarding some results. And um, where I go, it's a teaching hospital for this particular doctor that I see for my lungs. Um, and for those of you who do not know, I have pulmonary arterial hypertension. And um, so the intern came in and this is how it went. I'm going to role play for you right now. Miss Hendricks. Yes, I'm Dr. XYZ. Nice to meet you. What are you here for today? Follow up with Dr. Uh, ABC. Okay. Are you still having shortness of breath, fatigue? How many blocks can you walk? Yes, yes. And due to being in um, a lupus flare and the pandemic, um, I haven't been out to walk. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell Dr. ABC, okay, your symptoms. Miss Hendricks, did you know they suspect you having lymphoma and another cancer? It's about four cancers they think that um, you have. Now, just think, if I was not the type of individual that um, I am, I would have been panicking. And so I, I told this intern, I said, yeah, I know that. Oh, okay, I just wanted to be for sure that you knew that um, it was four different cancers um, that they were suspecting me of having. We already know that I have the lymphoma, but it was three more that they stated. And as I was sitting there, um, I said in my mind, if I was a fragile type of individual patient. Um, Lord knows what would have happened. And so while I'm sitting down there thinking, I waited for my pulmonologist to come in. And he said, Susan, I said, um, hey, Dr. ABC. He said, how you doing today? I said, the same. Um, still having the swelling and blah, 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 blah. And he said, okay. Um, he said, I need to get your last report from the cardiologist. I said, 
Well, I seen him this week and he said that he had sent it over already over to you. So you may just want to check. And he said, okay. And I said, by the way, Dr. ADC, you need to do me one favor. And he said, sure, Susan, what is it? And this intern was standing there. He didn't know what I was going to say. I said, when you have patients um, in the exam room that's being seen by the interns, um, can you ex please explain to the interns that they need to be really careful how they express and state medical information when it comes to the diagnosis of a patient. And he said, what happened, Susan? I said, well, Dr. XYZ stated that um, you guys suspect me having three other types of cancer besides the lymphoma. And so he looked at the intern and I said, he was blatant with it. Just think if I was a fragile patient, you don't know what type of day I was having, um, what was on my mind, if I was thinking about what the previous doctor had told me, or what? Don't you know that patient could have flipped out right in this office? Or the patient could even have a heart attack, maybe a seizure. Or when you walked in that office, just think if it was a male patient, he could have come um, running up on you asking you, why you didn't tell me? So I looked at the intern, Dr. XYZ. I said, you need to learn some bedside manners before you just blurt out anything of what is to be suspected. I said, it's common knowledge that yes, lymphoma is one of the diagnoses that I have. But the other three, if you would have looked further, were ruled out. So just be careful the next time you enter into an exam room and you don't know the frame of mind that patient is in. You could cause more damage. Or maybe even the oncologist may not have informed me of what was going on and what was suspected. But I have that type of relationship with all of my care team. And they don't keep anything um, from me. So you lucked up this time, but you need to be careful of what you tell to a patient. If the head doctor 
has not informed you to tell the patient that? Why do you go on your own? You put it on yourself to play big shot and tell the patient, oh, they expect you, it's, um, it's expected that you have three other types of cancers. If that was the case, I would be dead as a doornail right now, or I would um, be admitted into the hospital right away. I said, you're not even licensed yet. But I said, me and Dr. ABC, we got this. And so Dr. ABC told the intern, I need to see you in my office. Never be afraid to speak up for yourself and always do it in front of the head doctor. Never do it um, when you and the intern are in the room alone because, see, they could switch up on you and say, no, I didn't tell her that, when you know for sure that's what you heard. You're not stupid. You're just well-informed. Now, let's talk about study suggests why women outnumber men in lupus. Gene evading shutdown on second X chromosome implicated. Sex differences in lupus incidents. Nine out of ten patients are women. May stem from over- expression of the gene carried on the X chromosome. Stat News reports, based on findings in the journal Science Immunology, known as TLR7, the gene normally would be inactivated along with other genes on one of the two X chromosomes women carry. However, in some immune cells of healthy women and in men with an extra X chromosome, um, both copies of the TLR7 gene turned on. Overexpression of the TLR7 protein in animal models led to immune responses consistent with lupus. The next step would be to try to target TLR7 directly to treat lupus, researchers stated. So, seems like there is an extra X chromosome gene that is associated with the reason why women outnumber men in lupus. That was interesting. You know, the study is interesting. Um, you can read the full report in MedPage today. Also, mixed results for oral 
lupus drug in phase two. Mid-stage study offers hope, but also reasons for caution. What could be the first oral medication specific for systemic lupus arrhythmatosis, better known as SLE, was more effective than a placebo in a randomized phase two trial, though the results were something less than a home run. With 288 patients assigned to three doses of the novel agent or placebo, of those taking the highest dose achieved, level four on the SLE Responder Index, SRL4, the primary outcome compared with 35% of the placebo group, reported Joan T. Merrill, PhD of the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation in Oklahoma City, and colleagues in the New England Journal of Medicine. More patients in the high-dose group also showed at least a four-point decline in the SLE Disease Activity Index 2000, a key secondary endpoint, but safety findings were less satisfying. Rates of urinary and upper respiratory tract infections were both higher. Also, along these lines, rates of nasopharyngitis and sinusitis were also increased. Perhaps more concerning, neutropenia and leukopenia were also more common with the two higher doses compared to the placebo. Overall treatment-related adverse events were seen in 40% and 44% of the high and mild dose groups versus 29 of those receiving the placebo. Now, when we return, we'll finish up on mixed results for oral lupus drug in phase two. Mid-stage study offers hope, but also reason for concern. And we're back. You know what? I want to tell you another um, incident that happened when I was at the pulmonologist. Um, I was in the exam room waiting for the pulmonologist to come in regarding some results. And um, where I go, it's a teaching hospital for this particular doctor that I see for my lungs. Um, and for those of you who do not know, I have pulmonary arterial 
hypertension. And um, so the intern came in and this is how it went. I'm gonna role play for you right now. Miss Hendricks, yes, I'm Dr. XYZ. Nice to meet you. What are you here for today? Follow up with Dr. Uh, ABC. Okay. Are you still having shortness of breath, fatigue? How many blocks can you walk? Yes, yes. And due to being in um, a lupus flare and the pandemic, um, I haven't been out to walk. Okay. Um, I'm going to tell Dr. ABC, okay, your symptoms. Miss Hendricks, did you know they suspect you having lymphoma and another cancer? It's about four cancers they think that um, you have. Now, just think. If I was not the type of individual that um, I am, I would have been panicking. And so I, I told this intern, I said, yeah, I know that. Oh, okay. I just wanted to be for sure that you knew that um, it was four different cancers um, that they were suspecting me of having. We already know that I have the lymphoma, but it was three more that they stated. And as I was sitting there, um, I said in my mind, if... I was a fragile type of individual patient. Um, Lord knows what would have happened. And so while I'm sitting down there thinking, I waited for my pulmonologist to come in. And he said, Susan, I said, um, hey, Dr. ABC. He said, how you doing today? I said, the same. Um, still having the swelling and blah, 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 blah. And he said, okay. Um, he said, I need to get your last report from the cardiologist. I said, well, I seen him this week and he said that he had sent it over already over to you so you may just want to check and he said okay and i said by the way dr abc you need to do me one favor and he said sure susan what is it and this intern was standing there he didn't know what i was going to say I said, when you have patients um, in the exam room that's being seen by 
the interns. Um, can you ex please explain to the interns that they need to be really careful how they express and state medical information when it comes to the diagnosis of a patient? And he said, what happened, Susan? I said, well, Dr. XYZ stated that um, you guys suspect me having three other types of cancer besides the lymphoma. And so he looked at the intern and I said, he was blatant with it. Just think if I was a fragile patient, you don't know what type of day I was having, um, what was on my mind, if I was thinking about what the previous doctor had told me, or what. Don't you know that patient could have flipped out right in this office? Or the patient could even have a heart attack, maybe a seizure. Or when you walked in that office, just think if it was a male patient, he could have come um, running up on you asking you why you didn't tell me. So I looked at the intern, Dr. XYZ. I said, you need to learn some bedside manners before you just blurt out anything of what is to be suspected. I said it's common knowledge that yes, lymphoma is one of the diagnoses that I have, but the other three, if you would have looked further, were ruled out. So just be careful the next time you enter into an exam room and you don't know the frame of mind that patient is in, you could cause more damage. Or maybe even the oncologist may not have informed me of what was going on and what was suspected. But I have that type of relationship with all of my care team and they don't keep anything um, from me. So you lucked up this time, but you need to be careful of what you tell to a patient. If the head doctor has not informed you to tell the patient that. Why do you go on your own? You put it on yourself to play big shot and tell the patient, oh, they expect you, it's, um, it's expected that you have three other types of cancers. If that was the case, I would be dead as a doornail right now. Or I would um, be admitted into the hospital right away. 
I said, you're not even licensed yet. But I said, me and Dr. ABC, we got this. And so Dr. ABC told the intern, I need to see you in my office. Never be afraid to speak up for yourself and always do it in front of the head doctor. Never do it um, when you and the intern are in the room alone because, see, they could switch up on you and say, no, I didn't tell her that, when you know for sure that's what you heard. You're not stupid. You're just well-informed. Now, let's talk about study suggests why women outnumber men in lupus. Gene evading shutdown on second X chromosome implicated. Sex differences in lupus incidents. Nine out of ten patients are women. May stem from over- expression of the gene carried on the X chromosome. Stat News reports, based on findings in the journal Science Immunology, known as TLR7, the gene normally would be inactivated along with other genes on one of the two X chromosomes women carry. However, in some immune cells of healthy women and in men with an extra X chromosome, um, both copies of the TLR7 gene turned on. Overexpression of the TLR7 protein in animal models led to immune responses consistent with lupus. The next step would be to try to target TLR7 directly to treat lupus, researchers stated. So, seems like there is an extra X chromosome gene that is associated with the reason why women outnumber men in lupus. That was interesting. You know, the study is interesting. Um, You can read the full report in MedPage today. Also, mixed results for oral lupus drug in phase two. Mid-stage study offers hope, but also reasons for caution. What could be the first oral medication specific for systemic lupus arrhythmatosis, better known as SLE, was more effective than a placebo in a randomized phase two trial, though the results were something less than 
a home run with 288 patients assigned to three doses of the novel agent or placebo of those taking the highest dose achieved level four on the SLE Responder Index, SRL4, the primary outcome compared with 35% of the placebo group, reported Joan T. Merrill, Ph.D. of the Oklahoma Medical Research Foundation in Oklahoma City and colleagues in the New England Journal of Medicine. More patients in the high-dose group also showed at least a four-point decline in the SLE Disease Activity Index, 2000, a key secondary endpoint, but safety findings were less satisfying. Rates of urinary and upper respiratory tract infections were both higher. Also, along these lines, rates of nasopharyngitis and sinusitis were also increased. Perhaps more concerning, neutropenia and leukopenia were also more common with the two higher doses compared to the placebo. Overall treatment-related adverse events were seen in 40% and 44% of the high and mild dose groups versus 29 of those receiving the placebo. Now, when we return, we'll finish up on mixed results for oral lupus drug in phase two. Mid-stage study offers hope, but also reason for concern. Karen Kostenvader, MD, MPH of Brigham and Women's Hospital in, in Boston, highlighted these apparent side effects along with other results as red flags that should temper enthusiasm for the possibility of an oral drug for lupus. Besides the increased risk for infections and immune deficiency, she pointed to a lack of benefit in a number of secondary endpoints and what she termed high incidence of treatment discontinuation. Now, we know that it has been ongoing research for some type of cure or drug for lupus. But I really have to question, where is all the research dollars going to? I'm just asking, out of all the funds that have been um, raised through events 
and um, walks, where is the money going to? You say it's going for research, but in 60 years, you come up with Ben Lester. Okay. But by now, you could come up with something quicker than that because you came up with something Johnny on the spot for the pandemic. So somebody tell me, where is the cure? Where is the funds going to? I'm just asking. Now, being realistic, there may be a cure down the road. But will I see it? I doubt it very seriously. And with all the clinical trials, um, especially in this one, um, 288 patients is not a substantial amount to say, oh, we may have the drug. For one, the patient base is too low for a trial, in my opinion. But what do I know? For number two, this does not state the um, socioeconomic background of the patient, the age of the patient. Well, they say they were adults, okay. Um, were they 21 or or did you did you consider 18 as an adult? Um, you don't tell if the patients are black, white, Asian, or um, Mexican or Latino. It's too much left out of this research, this clinical trial, to, to jump off the handle and say, yes, we finally found something uh, that we think is a cure for um, lupus or an oral medication for lupus. Okay, some research states that it is a gene called lupus is caused by a gene passed on from the parent. Okay, well, if you know this, I sit back and wonder all the time, well, why not remove that gene from the patient? Then other research says that it may be caused by the environment. Okay, well, if you think this, what is it in the environment that's causing it? Some research states that it affects women of color more than anyone else. Well, if you know this, then why? See, I have all these questions running through my mind when it comes to this illness. So, you have the research dollars. Where is it all going to? We know that there's not enough people of color um, doing clinical trials. 
And that's based on the mistrust that people of color has for these types of trials due to the Tuskegee experiment. You see, some of us like, like to know what you're putting in our body. Okay. But I'm just wondering, where is it all going to? You know, it can become really frustrating. You you go on um, social media and you see all of these groups that's raising money um, for a cure. That's all well and good, fine. But have you ever researched to see exactly where those dollars are going to? And someone may be even saying that about uh, my foundation. Well, I'm here to tell you, when I raised money for um, individuals with chronic illness, it goes to assist uh, those families, you know, with lupus. In some cases, when your lupus is so severe, you can no longer work. You have lost your insurance. You're about to lose your home. You have lost your job. You're trying to figure out how are you going to feed your kids, clothe your kids, and do all of that. Well, that's where I come into play. I assist those individuals who have a chronic illness such as lupus by putting food in your home, helping you get your medication, helping um, you with getting school supplies and clothes for the children, and yes, giving you um, uh, I'm trying to gift cards. That's what I was trying to think of. I had brain fog. Um, gift cards to purchase different personal care items that you need. You know, I've known people who have gone to different organizations with this illness who could not get any help. But I try to assist those in those areas because to look at us, it doesn't seem like Anything is wrong. You know, I had my my youngest nephew. I went to pick him up from work one day. And he knows that I have lupus. But he was joking around. And he said, he was talking to his mother. And he said, oh, she don't look sick. She look fine. There's nothing wrong with her. And I waited till he got off the phone and I said, you know, looks are deceiving because right now with everything I'm going through, I'm constantly 
fighting just to live another day. I constantly fight to get up in the morning. It's not because I'm lazy. One or two things are going on. It's either I'm in pain or I am so ill that it takes me a while to get out of the bed or that the fatigue has hit me so hard that I have to literally drag myself just to sit on the edge of the bed. Now, I've been suffering with um, headaches. And I told the rheumatologist, I said, I'm having the headaches again. And the headaches had got to the point where the least little light or sound, it felt like my head was going to explode. That could have been a migraine caused by the lupus. And um, people... Lupus is really tough, but you never give up hope. Just like I have not um, gave up on hope. You know, uh, my father used to tell us that you may get down, but you get up to fight another day. And that's exactly what I've been doing. Yes, um, I'm not only fighting lupus, I'm fighting lymphoma. You know, the battle is real. And people need to realize that this battle is real. It is not a game out here dealing with this. So, to everyone, if you know someone who's dealing with this illness and they tell you, I'm really not up to it today, um, I don't feel well today, or my body is in pain, or I have the worst headache. And this is another one. Don't tell them they don't look like they're sick because what is sick supposed to look like? Somebody please tell me that one. What is sick supposed to look like? Just ask that person, what can I do for you today? Do you need for me to go to the store? Do you need for me to vacuum your floor? Do you need for me to fix your dinner and bring it over? Just be kind and just ask that because the saying we fight just to live to see another day is for real and I'm a living witness of the fight. You know, I am booked up 
this month, this month of April, for doctor's appointments. Every week in this month, it's a doctor's appointment testing that's being done on myself. So it's real. It's real. And do I get tired of um, taking pills? Yeah, I do. I take 13 pills a day. And they ordered four additional prescriptions. So that means 17 pills a day. And they're broken down to some I take twice a day, some I take once a day. But that's 17 pills a day. And some individuals take more medicine than that that has this illness. So just offer a helping hand that you don't know how that person would feel if you say, how can I assist you? When we return, I'll be closing out and I'm gonna make this a two-part series. I'll be closing out. Well, it's that time. Um, I'm going to finish up on Sunday with mixed results for oral lupus drug in phase two. Mid-stage study offers hope, but also reason for caution. We're also going to be talking about medical errors. Do you think medical errors will lead to a culture of science? Healthcare workers are fearful of repercussion from former nurses. And we're going to be talking about NASH. N-A-S-H. You'll find out exactly what that is. But I want to leave you with a thought or two. Know the true value of time. Snatch, seize, and enjoy every moment of it. No idleness, no laziness, no procrastination. Never put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Smile like you've never cried. Fight like you never lost. Love like you've never been hurt. And most importantly, live like there's no tomorrow. Stay in the fight.
I'm Susan Hendricks for my story, Living with Lupus Podcast. You'll be hearing from me this Sunday. I'll talk to you then.